Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Down the block, Andrew Johnson. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle has won. G'day guys, welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast, another throwback episode before the potty does return on Monday full time, so stay tuned for that. This is part two of our Supercoach review for season 2022, part one that we dropped yesterday, we went through the bottom eight teams for 2022, gave them a season review. In this episode, we go through the top eight teams, a season review of 2022 from a Supercoach perspective, and we also have a quick little sneak peek at 2023 and guys that we liked. This one was obviously recorded, I think, the first week of September, so there has been more signings and whatnot that has occurred since then, obviously, but you guys can apply some common sense there and take that into consideration. Beers and break-evens will be returning on the 18th of January. We've got a massive year lined up for you guys with some huge prizes coming your way for the overall winner and weekly prizes as well, which is going to be super, super exciting, so stay tuned for that. I'll hand it over now to myself and the Paddle Pop line, Timmy Williams to review the top eight teams for season 2022 from a Supercoach perspective. G'day guys, welcome back to Beers and Break Evens, brought to you by Blue Wealth Property. They make investing in property easy for you. If you'd like to reach out to Tony and the team, head over to their website, Instagram, Facebook, send a pigeon their way, smoke signal something, you'll find Blue Wealth Property there. They'll be able to send you in the right direction. Also brought to you by Bloke in a Bar, the best drop in sport. Make sure you go out and support Kempi this weekend buying a case of mid-strength or full-strength beer. We're going to continue with our reviews of season 2022 and a sneaky look at 2023 with some previews. Today we're looking at the Canberra Raiders, the South Sydney Rabbitohs, the Sydney Roosters and the Melbourne Storm. Timmy, welcome back. Did you get a haircut since last week or something? Yeah, mate. I'm a bit of a freshen up there, a bit of a bit of a perk in the hair. So I'm really, I'm really, you look the piece. Yeah, thanks, mate. I'm uh, pretty excited for this, uh, this episode. So covering the mighty Canberra Raiders. By the time 
time this goes live, obviously recording week one of the Would you have won the comp yet or not? Nah, we'll be preparing for a prelim final. Nice. So I'm um, getting ready for the, for the pre, prelim final ambush, probably as Penrith or someone. So yeah. I'll, be, I'll be getting my grand final ticket ready and what could possibly go wrong from here? That'll be exciting for the Queen being kangaroos. All right, <laughs> uh, let's talk. Canberra Raiders, as Timmy said, 2022, their best. Uh, Joey Tapanay, for me, he was the absolute standout there. He was sensational. Underrated, Adam Elliott. Had a pretty good season, huh? Mm, those two boys, very interesting because speaking of looking at doing squad breakdowns every single week of the year, and get to the Raiders, it was the same thing. It was all year pretty well. Joey Tapanay more from mid to late season, but like just an absolute star. If you want to fork out for him, get him because he just continued to deliver. And then it was Adam Elliott. <coughs> While his role is what he is and his minutes are the same, just hold strong until anything changes because they both just kept delivering. And, and Joey Tapanay, who was one of the ones that really hurt me, obviously along with Latrell Mitchell, <coughs> who we'll get to very shortly, Taps just kept punching out big numbers. And it wasn't surprising because we knew how good a super coach player Taps could be it was just the minutes, wasn't it? And yep. I think he started the season sort of mid-40s to early 50 minutes. By the end of the season, he was close, play, playing close to anywhere from sort of 60 to 65. And when a player that good with tackle-busting ability, offloading at will, is getting big minutes, uh, Taps was just fantastic. So while I still don't like investing big money in front row forwards in Supercoach, Taps was a bit of an exception to that. And Adam Elliott put together a good year as well. Yeah, Hudson Young was the other one. Uh, personally, I think in a couple of weeks, he will get a bait in the Kangaroos World Cup squad. Mm. I think he has to be there now. I think he's forced his way into it. He's been sensational. And you mentioned off camera before, and I think it's perfect. Fuck, he'd be a fun guy to own. Oh, just the way he plays his footy. Like, he's got such attacking upside. He's similar to the sort of Viliami kick-out mould in that he relies on attacking stats mm. to score well. So he's not going to do that sort of Angus Crichton type uh, or IPAP type where they punch out their 55-60 in base and they sort of sit around that most of the year and they'll average to 70-75. He has his tons and he has his 40s. So while it's a bit nervy, he sets tries up, he scores them, he grubbers him behind the line for himself. So he's one that I'll be really considering for next season because he his game just came on leaps and bounds this year. Hudson has realised how good Hudson is, yep. which is lethal, <laughs> lethal for a footballer with his sort of confidence. Mate, 2022 most disappointing. Canberra Raiders are one of those teams that, you know, we weren't really expecting too much out of too many of them as far as super coach goes. Uh, I don't think anyone was relying too heavily on anyone. In fact, you know, I, I think at the start of the season, Tapanay, Elliot, Hudson, very few people would have even been considering those guys, realistically, they became very important as the season went on. But probably my most disappointing in the moment, Josh Hodgson went down, which, as you said on Monday, very early in the season, I thought, okay, Tom Starling could be a little pod this year. Uh, just never left the garage, did he? Yeah, it was a bit of an interesting one with him. He looked like he could be a super great star if the minutes came his way. And I think everyone was thinking the same thing. And while he certainly had his moments, even Ricky Stewart, you could tell that in the back of his mind that he'd never saw Starlow as an 80-minute hooker. We saw with the way he was utilised with with uh, Josh Hodgson last season. Then this season when Hodgson went down and he was trying Adam Elliott hooker, all different sorts of combinations to play Starlow as a sort of 50-60 minute role as that impact bench role, which he's wonderful at. He's just a small body. And the rigours of 80 minutes week in, week out for a small bloke in the middle, it's just tough to do. So... Then Zach Wolford came along, who ended up being a little sneaky little... Well, he wasn't really Supercoach cheap because he didn't quite get the minutes, but he came along and ate into that first 20, 30 minutes of game time, sometimes longer, mm. uh, and it just really killed Starlow. So, yeah, he, he was certainly disappointed from what we thought he was capable of. 
Yeah, Ricky Stewart went from completely <laughs> head-fucking us with his forwards to his hookers, mm. which just became, I think, more confusing than anything before. Mate, let's have a look at 2023 for the Canberra Raiders. Uh, it's it's an exciting little time for the Raiders. You've got a number of young guns coming through that are, some have already made it. You're, you're Tomoko, Sebastian Chris, Xavier Savage, the X-Man. Uh, but there's a few more that I'm really excited about. The first one, uh, Harley Sexy Shields. He obviously did his ACL <laughs> this year. Um, I don't know if he's going to be able to crack your side for round one because there's a few guys that have really mm. cemented themselves in that team but if there's a couple of injuries he will become a cheapie mate the one i'm most excited about and he's one of my most exciting prospects in the nrl let alone the nation's capital mate trey mooney i think this kid has got potential to be an absolute superstar in our game tell us about trey trey's a gun and he's he's a big forward he can play as an edge backer or a middle which is just so valuable in these days because there's a lot of forwards who can only play as a middle or an edge. So to have that versatility as a coach, to be able to chop and change them is very valuable. Uh, look, he's a big tackle-busting forward. He runs a terrific line. Uh, I'd seen a lot of him in New South Wales Cup this season and then he got named for the, must have been the, the 19s origin. 19s, it, 19s yeah. and came out and just killed them there. His ball playing was really good. So he can play that sort of link role as a middle and... It's a tough pack to, to crack, but obviously yeah, with Adam Elliott leaving um, to a less degree, Ryan Sutton, there will be minutes to go around. I think he'll probably start the year off the bench and just be a real slow burn cash cow, but he's good enough that he can lock down a starting role in that pack deeper into the season, and he could be a really interesting prospect. Yeah, I think by the end of the season, he will be <laughs> on the right edge potentially. I also don't mind him at 13, though. Mm. I know you got Whitehead there, and I sort of think he'll get the 13 role based on what we saw this year. But this Mooney, I, 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 like, I'm willing to say now, I think he'll play Origin Ooh. within the next six or seven years. I, I think he's that good, mate. I think he's one of the most talented young guys in this competition. The other one we need to talk about is CHN. Um, he's been sort of starved of opportunity at the mm. Canberra Raiders. We did mention Adam Ellett will be leaving, so you'd have to assume that Whitehead, based on what we've seen last few years, he'll probably go into that 13, or this year, he'll go into that 13 role. Uh, CHN, if a spot opens up for him on the edge, I'm going to find it very hard to leave him out. Oh, isn't he just the one every single year that you're like, if he can lock down an 80-minute edge roll, he would be so, so good in Supercoach. And we've seen it in the past. He's had some big, big seasons. Um, yeah, and, and that, that you've nailed it there. So if Whitehead does go to the middle and Sage and locks down an edge roll, he could be very popular to begin next year because he's just the ultimate Supercoach player. Offloads at will, tackle bars. He runs a tremendous line, can sniff out a try. Um Speaking of fun blokes to own, CHN's the best. I remember a few weeks ago when I talked about him for the grand final week and you said, oh, if he's not owned in comps, mate, there would have been one person in every single draft comp that would have absolutely shit down your throat for saying that because they would have held him for 25 weeks <laughs> and just been hopeful. He's one of the most frustrating guys to own, but fuck, when he's on and he's getting minutes, he's one of the most damaging. I remember I had him a few years ago when he, when he first burst on the scene for the Panthers and he was just crazy i like kick out like sort yep. of stuff so he's one to keep an eye on uh the canberra raiders that'll do us there uh they're, they're probably pretty hungover from mad monday by this point anyway <laughs> uh let's move to the south sydney rabbitos we might uh we might chime in occasionally here and get maddie the water boy if he's got a mic down there we'll call out to you maddie um now the best for south sydney 2022 pretty hot field here i think we'd have to go latrell mitchell though he was incredible uh Dry fucked both of us all season. Uh, he was unbelievable, Latrell. 
Mate, a, a few other guys put their hands up. Damien Cook, 75 points, super coach average. Cam Murray was solid all year. Alex Johnson almost averaged 70. I'm not sure if I saw him take a hit up out of his own end and he averaged 68, 70, which is incredible. Colin Montungi as well. He had an unbelievable season outside Ilias there. He was great. Who's your pick of the bunch out of them? Probably after Luttrell. Who, who was your next best for South Sydney? Mm, uh, as you elegantly put it, it's the bloke that dry fucked us and that's Luttrell Mitchell. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Trell, mate. I just, I, I, I haven't crunched the numbers because why the hell would I want to do that? But Latrell probably cost me, I reckon, maybe 300 spots overall, not bringing him in uh, when the rest of seemingly 99% of Supercoach did. Um, it's got to be Latrell, mate. He was just, the back end of the season, he was phenomenal. Finished, just a few of his stats up here, but finished with a five and average of 99. If you went back <laughs> six, seven, eight rounds, that'd probably be higher as well. So I think uh, Latrell was the one there and, uh, we, we touched on it in our, our season review podcast, but just the run of games the Bunnies had on the run home, you're just thinking he can't keep doing it. But again, to reiterate, lesson learned that the out-and-out guns of Supercoach, particularly the ones playing in better sides, I think they're just proving they're fixture-proof and they can score well against anyone. So learned that lesson the hard way. But uh, Luttrell's the one, and then Damien Cook, who... In recent seasons, had regressed a little bit from being an absolute out-and-out number one hooker in the game. Obviously, Harry Grant in the last couple of years has come into that mix, but Cookie finished about two points off overall averaging from Grant. Uh, and then Cam Murray, is just, I, I, I've said this about 15 times through the season, so I may as well add one more before the season ends, but Cam Murray, who I had in my side all pre-season, didn't play in the trials. There was a bit of chat about like a, a tight hammy or something. So I was questioning minutes. So I avoided him. He just went nuts all year and came out with a bang. So that one hurt. But just they're a super coach goldmine, the bunnies, aren't they? Yep, for sure. As far as most disappointing goes, um, Ilias. I know a lot of people had him at the start of the season. I, I thought Ilias was going to be a much better super coach player than what he was from watching him in reserve grade and stuff. So uh, NRL, very good. Super coach wise, pretty poor. Just was. Just wasn't able to produce points, essentially. Yeah, and it, it didn't help that the Bunnies probably started the season a, a little bit slow as well. I think they had some tough matchups early on. It's not really a super conducive scoring game, Avilius. He could be all right down the track, but you know he's not the big ball runner who busts mm. tackles and, and racks up 10 or 12 runs a game. So he really does need to get in on the attacking stats. And when he's got stars around him like Latrell Mitchell and Cody Walker, it can be hard to do that. So, yeah, it's a little bit disappointing. The other one was Cody Walker, his halves mm. partner, who uh, at one point he was going for a ridiculously little amount of money. I think he got oh. into the 300K mark, didn't mm. he, or low fours or something. Uh, his value was incredible. I just I couldn't <laughs> trust Cody Walker. This year, it just never looks like he was at his absolute best to me. So I avoided it. I know a lot of people got on it. Uh, I think we'd have to call it a disappointment. One of my big disappointments for the season, and I didn't jump on him until I think it was sort of maybe just before Origin, uh, the second major bye week, which he delivered in there with 119 points, and that was great against Newcastle. But the the back end of the season, I mean, to me, like he finished with... A five round average of six, 55, 60 odd. Like it wasn't horrible, but coming off a season of 84 point average, 74 the year before, you just expected more. And I think with him, the bunny struggled without Latrell Mitchell. They struggled for go forward. He didn't have a platform to play off, and the attacking stats didn't come. Then when Latrell Mitchell did come back, he just really he he doesn't sweep sides as much as he does without Latrell because Latrell's the man. 
So his footy was actually quite good, particularly in the back end of the year. And as an owner who I probably played him once every three weeks because the what he was dishing out, he did all the hard yards in the middle to draw in defenders, get him in and he just whip it out to the back to Latrell who was sweeping and all the trail did was tip on. Mm. That's where it's like, well, Cody probably deserved the try assist and line assist. But to their credit, the Supercoach scorers, they get a lot of flack for being, you know, having grey areas in their scoring. They always give the try assist to the sweeping player and yeah. that was Latrell every time. So where Latrell was bolstered, who I didn't own, Cody, who I did own, was getting nothing for it. But... You know, we knew that going into these games and when we make our trades. So it's like it's not a hard luck story. It's it's just being smarter about your trades. It's like uh, Adam Reynolds passed his hat on to Cody Walker, wasn't it? Just doing so much yeah. fantastic work, but not getting rewarded super coach wise for it. As far as guys to keep an eye out for next year for South Sydney, I mean, I don't really see much change to their pack next season. Mm. So I don't think much changes there. Their back line, I think like they experimented with so many guys this year that I don't think a heap changes there. Isaac Thompson is the one guy that I'm really excited about. But, I mean, he played two games this year. I think he went 75 and 55. So he's not going to be as cheap mm. as what we would have liked. He'll also be out on the right wing outside Campbell Graham, which is a great spot to be. But... We know that all their footy goes down the left side. Yeah. Matty, is there anyone at South Sydney, Young Guns or anything that you know of that you think are worth keeping an eye out for? Yeah. Yeah. Well, who did we say before? Calo Calo? Yeah, Calo Calo. Who we haven't really – look, I honestly haven't paid that much attention to the to the lower grades this year. Mm. Um, of anyone – sorry. Sorry for my voice. Of note um, – yeah, what have you done in the last <clears throat> 10 minutes? Yeah, I, don't know. I just need water like 100% of the time. <laughs> <laughs> nah, because we, we rotated through so many centers and wingers this year. Like, you've everyone's already seen them all. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. So, yeah, it's a tough one. Um, yeah, there, there's all there's, there's a young boy there, Tyra Munro, who's very talented, but I, I, I don't think he'll get a shot this year. You, you've got pretty good depth in your outside backs and in your pack as well. Reese on Cole Love it the other day as well. So, like, I think that there'll be. I don't think there's going to be anyone that's going to really jump out of the mm. box at South Sydney. In saying that, uh, I could have tripped over Isaac Thompson two months ago and not known who he was or that he played football. So uh, anything can happen. But South Sydney there, uh, not a heap doing. We'll let Matty die in silence down there. Uh, let's <laughs> move to the Sydney Roosters. Uh, 2022, their best player, uh, James Tedesco. I think he is the obvious standout <laughs> this season. But... Joey Manu, he was sensational, came up with that one game against the Dragons, which was unbelievable. If you didn't captain him that day, that would have really stung. Doesn't really, matter. really stung. Can't remember. Kept it, you awake at night and stuff. Uh, mate, little shout-out to Nat Butcher. He just appeared at the perfect time for us. And if mm. something happens that you couldn't trade him out when we all did and you held him for the back end, fuck, he had some good games on the run home as well. Four tries against the West Tigers. He exploded. So Nat Butcher, he did a job for us. But... Sualee, uh, he was the one this season, came in at very, very cheap, uh, did very well. Mm. Quick shout out, Teddy's last five Supercoach seasons, averaging 80, 87, 95, 84, 74. Wow. Oh. Um, that fullback round one next season, like I've sort of sat there watching the trail the back end of this season going... I think you just have to own him for the rest of time and I never want to not own him again. But then you're like, Latrell, Teddy, Tommy Turbo is going to be based on a 61 average next season. Pappenhausen, we get two of them. Yeah. You throw Caelan Pongley in there at about 500k if you're looking for value. Uh, it's going to be a crazy, crazy field to start next season. Joseph Suali'i, he... <sighs> 
he's another one who's going to be priced pretty well to start next year. And uh, he's a long way. He's just going to peak a lot of. He averaged fifty mid fifties this season. That's in his debut year. I mean, he could be what? What's he played? Cup five games in twenty twenty one. Really strong, like not quite premium, but high mid range option for next season. Yeah, for sure. Most disappointing at the Chooks, uh, Angus mm. Crichton. Probably unfair to put him in here, mm. but. There was periods there where I like only I think he only scored a handful of tries this year. The vast majority came in the last five weeks. Sort of the middle part of the season. I don't know, just felt like Angus wasn't getting overly involved in their games. He was doing his job and he was scoring his, you know, forty five to fifty five, but he's a guy that I would expect to average, you know, seventy odd, and he simply wasn't doing it throughout the year. So I'd throw Angus in there. I know that you you were pretty high on Angus all season though. Yeah, and as I said he delivered late. So he finished with an average of sixty six. But that was with scores late on in the season of 115 and 161. Now, it was his base was like he based 47 per game, which is pretty good going for a bloke that we know has attacking upside. The, the attacking stats just eluded him. He didn't score a try until round 19, wow. broke his drought, then scored another try two weeks later, then had a double two weeks later, and then finished with another try. And that's where, unsurprisingly, the big 80, 90-plus scores came. So he just wasn't finding the try line, which in this Roosters outfit, it probably ties in also to the fact that, and we spoke a lot about it on the Bloke podcast, but it just took a long time this season for the Roosters to gel as a spine and to get their combinations going. Kiri and Sammy Walker really took their time to find their feet as, as a halves pairing. And when Sammy Walker made that switch to being the more dominant halfback, we saw... Angus Crichton start scoring his tries and they just yep. looked a better side. So, again, he'll be another one to hard one not to start with next season. But I, I do like that you've thrown him in most disappointing because he, he was for the majority of the year. Another one that was pretty disappointing this year, <laughs> Billy Smith. I've always been very high on him. I think mm-hmm. you've always been a fan of Billy as well. Uh, obviously suffered another injury this year. I, I hate to say it, but I am worried that um, it could be a tough road back. For Billy Smith, he's been incredibly unlucky. Uh, even when he did get back this year, he's obviously you know recovering from an injury even then as well. And he uh, he didn't have the same punch uh, that the Billy Smith that I've watched over the last few years has had. So he was a little bit disappointing. We do wish Billy all the very best because fuck, he's a talented kid. Yeah, really disappointing. And as you said, even this season, I spoke really high of him and, and you did too earlier on in the year. I think we – did you start with him? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, started, and yeah. then like didn't even blink at it. I played yeah. him most weeks as well early on. And he just – coming back from another – was another ACL or something. He just didn't quite look the same. But yeah. um, So hopefully he comes back bigger and better, but he's had a tough run. Players to watch at the Chooks for next year. You've obviously got Takiaho leaving. Uh, Matt Lodge, he hasn't been signed yet. So if Takiaho leaves and Lodge leaves, Lindsay Collins has obviously got his HIA, uh, H, good God, HIA, I think I've got a few too, HIA issues. Um, and the Roosters, we know that they are very cautious with this sort of stuff as well. So just want to keep an eye on Egan Butcher. I think he's so fucking talented. It's not mm. even funny. He has had a couple of big scores to finish the season, but his average, I'd say it'd be like 30s, 40s across the whole year. So uh, he'll be at decent value. I don't know if the opportunity is going to be there, uh, but but I think at some point there'll be a period where Egan will go good. Now, the other one's Josh Wong. I've spoken about him on my podcast on a couple of occasions. Uh, he was the SG ball captain for the Roosters this year. I put him in the same category as Trey Mooney. I think they're both going to mm. be real superstars. I think Josh Wong will get a bench spot next year for the Sydney Roosters. Uh, he can play centre, second row, 5'8", lock. Uh, I think he'll be 
the modern day like Orbo for the Sydney Roosters over the next few years until he finds a spot. So Josh Wong, he will be one that I promise you will be in a lot of teams at some point next season for the Sydney Roosters. Let's get to the last team on this potty finish fifth in the regular season. The Melbourne Storm 2022, uh, their best player, I would best players, I'd say Care Munster and Harry Grant. No arguments here, right? Uh, no argument outside of a certain tiny little fullback who got injured mid-season. And that leads us straight into probably our most disappointing. <coughs> and uh, it's tough when you have to put guys that get injured in most disappointing. But, mm. um, mate, Pappy was just going gangbusters. He was doing so well. And to see him get injured, uh, it, re- it really was incredibly disappointing and hurt a lot of Supercoach players out there. Mm, it did. And... Uh Pappenhausen, the, the week he got injured, I think I skipped him. Sounds about right. Canberra. Canberra. Canberra game. Yeah. Pappy. Anyway. Jack White ran a train over him. Yeah. Pappy doesn't score that well against the Raiders, Pappy. Oh, it's hard to score yeah. well when you've got a shattered knee, but yeah. yeah. That, oh, that's right. Yeah, because oh, yeah, was, he was on a tear 15 minutes. Are you taking the, the piss out of me because it fucked my draft season? Because no. the moment I will never forget. No, no, I can't remember that. But it was all it's uh it's all coming back to me, yeah. And fifteen minutes into the game, he had two clean cut line yep. breaks and him and I think Munster put him through for both of them. And you're just sitting that it was pretty well the start of the Raiders resurgence in the comp. And you're just sitting there going, Shit, this scoreline could be anything. I said pretty sure I'd Pappy captain. And uh, that, yeah, got obliterated by Jackie about fifteen minutes in. He was on like forty five or something. Yeah, he, he was flying. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah, oof. Tough one. Anyway, yeah. let's never talk about it again. No, um, Grant Anderson. Uh, fuck, I'll tell you what. I watched Grant Anderson play a lot of Queensland Cup and fuck, he looked like a talent there. I'm, I'm still not putting the red Sharpie through him. I know a lot of people have bagged him and stuff this year. I've, I think he's still got more to offer uh, as his career goes on. But from what we saw this year defensively, uh, a lot of issues there, a lot of drop balls. It got injured at the worst possible fucking time. It was a bit of a nightmare this year having Grant Anderson. Yeah, and just quickly back on Pappenhausen before we get on to uh, old Grant Anderson off air talking to you about the fullbacks and you're going, yeah, geez, and Pappenhausen will be cheap next year as well, won't he? Guru, Pappenhausen average 90, we'll be at 900k. Yeah, well, it would have been nice of you to chime in with that before you let me talk for 15 <laughs> minutes the other day. But anyway, that's nice of you. Appreciate that. Uh, um, Grant Anderson, uh, let's never speak of him again. Yep. Two first names, can't trust them. Uh, Brandon Smith, the hectic cheese. I had him most disappointing. You had him all year. Uh, it was it was great doing these podcasts with you the entire year because every three or four weeks there'd be something happening. You'd go, cheese? Yeah. I can play him this week. And I'd always be like, oh, I don't know about it. Uh, cheese looked exhausted to me for the vast majority of the season. Had a couple of injuries, suspensions and everything thrown in there. Had a couple of good games, but just wasn't the same footballer that he was the year before. Yeah, he wasn't, and he sort of played some fewer minutes off the bench, and he was sort of started in the back end of the season, played some decent minutes. Supercoach-wise, I brought him in at like 350-odd K um, around the buy period, and I had him for the rest of the season. Now, he didn't really impact me poorly because he was more of a depth option in the reason that I kept him, and it was based on outside of the buy round, I very, very rarely had to play Ben. I played in the last round of the season, and that was only not because I thought he'd do well. It was just more thinking if there are restings and whatnot later in round 25 that I lock in a semi-gun player. Um, 
But Cheese, for me, was just a backup to Harry Grant. So when trades were scarce, I was thinking, oh, I don't want to play Cheese. But if Grant goes down injured, Cheese comes into my starting team and he'll be a starting hooker for the Melbourne Storm playing big minutes. As it turned out, uh, Harry Grant played every game for the rest of the season. I didn't have to play Smith outside of round 25. But, um, I mean, one, we'll get to him shortly, but one for next season at the Roosters. Starting hooker, potentially. He'll be cheap. He could be one of my first players picked. Actually, yeah, true. We didn't mention Chiefs for the Roosters. That will be very, very interesting yeah. next season. Like, it'd be based on what he averaged this season. Not a hell of a lot. He averaged 45 this year. So, like, he could be an 80-minute hooker for the Roosters. He, he could lock him in, lock him yeah, load. Yeah, for sure. Um, now, guys, to watch for the Melbourne Storm next year, you've obviously got a host of forwards leaving to go to the Dolphins. So, there will be opportunities there. I think Jack Howarth, Hill will probably come into the back row. Although, I have been surprised that Melbourne didn't use him at any point mm. this year. Um, I think you also got to keep in mind with a guy like Jack Howarth, he... COVID has really fucked up a lot of these guys as far as their transition into first grade. So I know that the Melbourne Storm's concern with Howarth was that he hadn't played enough games against grown men. He'd gone from schoolboys to no Queensland Cup mm. or anything. Um, played in the trial earlier this year and, uh, you know, respectfully got caught out, uh, as teenagers should do when they come into the NRL. Uh, so he spent the year playing reserve grade. I don't think the Melbourne choice, the Melbourne Storm, will have a choice, uh, but to use him decently there next year. So I think he'll be in. The, he'll probably be a bench, potentially a starting back rower. Uh, will Warbrick came over from Rugby Union, was very very impressive for the Falcons up there in Queensland Cup. I think you'll see him pop up at some point. I think you would have seen him pop up at some point this year if it wasn't for a couple of timely injuries that he had, some unfortunate injuries. Tariq Sims though, he's an interesting one. Never been a hugely relevant Supercoach classic guy, draft guy. He's a pretty handy guy to pick up here and there. Uh, he could go down there and play decent minutes at the Storm. Uh, I don't know what his average was this year. I can't imagine it would have been. 45. Okay, I thought it would be worse. So, mm. a bit of an awkward price. I mean, at the Melbourne Storm, uh, it's not bad, but he's obviously aging. I don't know if he will be an 80-minute guy there, although they have shown that they do like to pick 80-minute back rowers. Mm. So, Tariq Sims is probably a sit and watch, but I, I sort of feel like the Melbourne Storm, they're not done with their signing spree. I think there will be more guys yeah. to come, and I feel like there's going to be another name that's going to pop up. I've got no idea who it is, but I think there'll be another name that'll pop up in the Storm in the forward pack that I think could be pretty relevant, whether it's a Nathan Brown or one of these sort of guys. I, I just feel like there's something more to come for yeah. Melbourne. Yeah, no, I agree, mate. There'll be, there'll be something turn up there with the amount of players that, that have left and said not a lot on the, the signing front, so keep an eye out over the off-season. Yeah. Guys, uh, that will do us for today. Our review of the Raiders, the South Sydney Rabbitohs, the Roosters and the Melbourne Storm. We'll be going through the top four teams next Monday, which will be grand final week. Uh, so come and join us there. We'll be going through the Parramatta Eels, the North Queensland Cowboys, the Cronulla Sharks, and of course, the Penny Panthers as well. Uh, thank you to Blue Wealth Property for sponsoring Beers and Breakevens each and every week. And to Bloke in a Bar, go and support Kempi this weekend by getting stuck into a case for prelim final footy this weekend mm. and then grand final next weekend. Very, very exciting. One more episode of Beers and Break Evens to come for season 2022. Look forward to seeing you next week for our last step. Cheers, guys. G'day guys, welcome back to Beers and Breakevens brought to you by Blue Wealth Property. Make sure you reach out to Tony and the team if you'd like to get involved there. They make investing in property easy 
for you. Also brought to you by Bloke in a Bar. We've got the mid-strength on today, full strength as well, also available courtesy of Kempi. Uh, slip into your local this weekend. Check on the website where they're available and get stuck into some bloke for Grand final week, the best week of the rugby league calendar. Unreal stuff. Joined by my co-host once again, Timmy. Welcome back for the final time, mate. Five months without your dribble week in week out. You'll be begging for me next week. I can already (laughs) fucking see it. One hundred percent. Now we got four teams to review today and give a quick little preview for twenty twenty three. Four of the big dogs. Now we're recording this a couple of weeks before the grand final. Parramatta, Cowboys, Sharks, Penrith today. Uh, are we both calling that Penrith will be playing this weekend in the GF? It'll be a Raiders-Panthers grand final, mate. <laughs> so I'll, um, I've already got my ticket booked, actually. Uh, I said on last week's uh, delayed podcast for the prelims that I was going to get it last week. I've actually gone and booked it straight after this podcast. So uh, ready to go, mate. I'll, I'll see you there. Tell you what, the nation's capital might be dealing with the worst three-week hangover of all time <laughs> at the moment. I've got the Panthers. I've got them playing the Sharkies this week, so we'll see how that plays out, if I'm on the money or not. You've got Penn playing Sharks. Grand final, yeah. And the Sharkies have been a little bit underappreciated at yep. the moment. I like, I like Penrith... V Roosters, but I haven't done the mass if they would come against it. I suppose it'll depend on results, won't it? But it'll depend on week one of finals where they come up against each other. But I'm going to say the Roosters, if they don't clash with Penrith, that'll be the grand final. I think the Roosters would have been gone two weeks ago against South Sydney. Anyway, we'll stop having the most ridiculous fucking conversation (laughs) of all time for you guys. Yeah, ridiculous. We'll leave it there. Um, Jump back in the time machine, back to now. Stupid until one of us gets it right. And 100%. Up like genius. Yeah. Great. Uh, Parramatta. <laughs> Plenty of guys here, a stacked Supercoach team. Not a heap of disappointing guys, realistically. Uh, the best guys, Isaiah Papali'i. Uh, he was the best forward in 2021. Uh, is there a fair argument he was the best in 2022? What, what an unbelievable rise oh. in both, obviously, NRL and then in Supercoach. Like, we thought... Came out last year and averaged 67, sorry, 67, 78 per game and backed it up this year with 79 per game. And last year we were looking at his 70, 78 per game and going, gun, but a lot of tries in there. You know, you'd want to pay, you couldn't pay top dollar for him to start this season because the tries will have to drop down. They didn't. Mate, he came out and bettered his season average, scored, like, didn't score for the first five, six weeks of the year, but was still punching out big numbers, over 50 in base. What a, like, what a gun. I'll tell you what, if we're having this same conversation in a year's time and he's gone 79 at the Tigers, mm. I'm putting him in the fucking immortal conversation. <laughs> he cannot possibly keep this up going yeah. to the Tigers. I'll be so impressed if he does. Mitch Moses and Dill Brown, the Parramatta halves. What a season these two have had. Been the real coming-of-age season for Dylan Brown. You had him for part of the Supercoach season. Been unbelievable, these two. And when we talk about Dylan Brown, we have to talk about his little uh, partner in crime, little, the giraffe, the walking giraffe, yeah. Sean Lane. Another one you had I've been so jealous of all year. Dill Brown and Sean Lane, I think it's been one of the best pairings you could have possibly come up with in Supercoach this year. Mm. Yeah, then three three of my better trades from the season, starting with Dylan Brown. And there was a lot of people earlier in the year in that 5'8 category that were anywhere from four to sort of 500k. There were like Sean Johnson's, which sounds ridiculous now, but people chatting about Sean Johnson's, uh, Luke Keary's, and a few others in there. And it was a real divide. End up landing on Dylan Brown, thank Christ. Uh, Brown... 
went absolutely nuts, did a really good job for me. I'd traded in Mitchie Moses around three or four, had a really good run with him. And Sean Lane, who's a bloke, I, I just never saw myself trading in, even when he was playing decent minutes. He just had a real career year for me after being solid for a number of years. He turned into a star, uh, ended with a season average of 69 points. And I think if you take out the early stages of the season, I don't have the numbers in front of me exactly, but the last probably 12 to 14 weeks, it would have been around 80 plus. because yeah. he was, And that's when most people were obviously trading him in. So it was a revelation and because of his attacking upside, you know, I wouldn't mind, I could see myself potentially starting with him next year. So could I, mate. I remember watching games this year with Sean Lane and thinking, oh, okay, he was pretty quiet there. 70 every week. And it, you mentioned that it's no shot that it coincided with the year that Dylan Brown had. Yep. And we often talk about how how much the, the back rollers and the wingers benefit outside good direct ball running halves like Dylan Brown, like Kieran Foran, because they just create so much space for them and they really isolate the uh, the, the depend- defending half on a big lanky back row. I like Sean Lane. We've seen Luke Keary did it for uh, Angus Crichton in the back end of the season. So a lot of what Lane did was with thanks to Dylan Brown. Also helps out too that you got Sivo out in the sting. Like mm. your, your defence can't shrink in. Yeah. You've, you've got to hold your man there. So... Yeah, Parramatta, such a good super coach side. If we had to pick most disappointing this year, as much as he wasn't overly relevant, Reid Marnie, a little bit of a down year, had periods where he wasn't playing the full 80 minutes, not a great year. Junior Bolo, now uh, you look at him and you look at his skill set and you go, he must be a super coach mm. weapon. But he's always a little bit disappointing when it comes to super coach, realistically. He's a little bit similar to Arden Fanua Blake in that he's got the motor to play big minutes. You know, he can bust a few tackles. You got one of the best offloads in the game, but just one of them plays it for whatever reason is, it just doesn't seem to happen. And then he always goes on just three, four game stretches where he might find some attacking starts or he just punches out monster base and you're like, if he keeps this up, wow. Just never happens. And then he goes on to average 50 points. So a little disappointing. He'll start cheap next year, but yeah, hard to have. Now, guys that we're looking at for next year, 2023, Parramatta Eels, obviously they've had a few changes, or they will have a few changes. IPAP obviously going to the West Tigers, uh, so is, uh, and Reed Marnie going to Canterbury, so they'll lose their nine and their back rower. Uh, Ryan Madison, he becomes interesting, and geez, he went through parts of this year where he was the absolute terminator coming off the bench there. You could lock in a 65 off the bench, which was crazy. It'll be interesting to see what they do here. I think one of Madison or Hopgood will become mainstayers. I think Madison, no matter where he is, he'll get through enough work. Hopgood, I could see him becoming the 13 at the Parramatta Eels next year. I've spoken about him. I'm very, very high on Jermaine Hopgood coming from the Penrith Panthers. So two guys there to watch. I think Hopgood, he played 60 – I think he played 70 minutes or something last week for the Penrith Panthers, scored 67 super coach points, essentially all in base. Got over the line and dropped the ball. So I definitely think he's one to watch. I think we'll have a lot of conversations about him. Madison. Do you play him at 13? Do you play him on the edge to replace IPAP? The lost near Corey as well. The depth has been hit. Where do you see Maddo fitting into this side next year? I like him on the edge, mate. I just think he's a, a fantastic line. He runs a terrific line. It just opens him up to... to <laughs> sounds funny. It doesn't open him up to ball play more, but it, it, it opens him up to more attacking ball playing, like a, you know, a bit of a Wade Graham where he, he's got enough creative now so that he can <clears throat> create things on the edge. When he's at lock, it's a completely different ball play yep. role because you're the link man, which is, as we know, not good for super coach because it eats through your, your, your base stats. 
I just think he's too good a strike weapon um, to keep in the middle. I like him on the edge. It will depend on, as you said, the options that they've got to play as a link man come next year, whether that's Hopgood or if someone else comes into the fray. But uh, I like Maddo on the edge, but mate, he's just such a terrific footballer that it doesn't matter where he plays, he gets through his work, he offloads, he does find his way into attacking stats. And I think we saw this year, even when he was playing a 55-60 minute role, he can still be an elite super coach player. So minutes either way, it doesn't really matter. The other one to keep an eye on, and uh, you know, it's going to take a few injuries, but... Bryce Cartwright, the Cardi Party. With IPAP gone, with Nia Corey gone, at the moment, I think he'll definitely be on the bench. And if something was to happen to Matto, I, I probably think that he would he could potentially be the next man man up on an edge. So it's going to take a few injuries and stuff, but it will happen throughout the year at some point. So one to keep an eye on there as well, the Cardi Party. Mate, let's move to the North Queensland Cowboys. And, um, mate... What a season it has been. Uh, hard to find disappointing guys. Easy to find your best. It's mm. a hot field. Drinky. Uh, he's, he's been my boy all year. I've absolutely loved him. We both couldn't believe that Toddy Payton didn't have him in his plans at the start of the year. He's got the very best out of him. Val Holmes, I thought he was playing out of position. And it's, it's crazy. A centre mm. that's not named Joey Manu, essentially, mm. that we just thought a few weeks ago, we have to get him in. There is no question. It's not very often that happens, right? Yeah. Big time. But like, that, such a success story in the NRL that, for obvious reasons, has translated to supercoach success. The Cowboys, from being such a boring supercoach side last year with no relevance to this year, name a player and you can find someone who's featured in sides at all different times of the year. There was Tom Dearden's for people early on. There was, um, for a very brief phase there, around the early origin period, Hamaso Tabuai Fido at a very cheap rate. Just plenty of exciting Supercoach players who had great years. Uh, Reese Robson was another one. He scored a fair whack of tries. I think he had a six-week period where he scored five tries. Uh, he was on fire during that period. Outside of that, when he's not scoring tries, he was still solid. Uh, but I definitely think those tries sort of helped him out a little bit. I'd be a little bit hesitant to go too heavy on Reese Robson next year. But, mate, the people that owned him during that period... I was so filthy. He just mm. kept finding the try line. Yeah, I had him. I'll get it up here, but it was it was pretty close to that exact period, hey? And then I sold him just after the try-scoring run. And as you said, he didn't exactly continue on with the exact heights, but he didn't disappoint after that yep. period. So in the back end of the season where people were short on trades and couldn't make do too much difference, uh, he was damn good. So where was he? Robson got him in, in round... I don't even know, mate. Take your time over there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, got, I got rid of him in round 19, so just after that sort of yeah, try scoring spree. Round 19, and got him in in round 12. Riveting. Um, <laughs> speaking of try scoring runs. For anyone still listening, where are we up to? <laughs> <laughs> speaking of try scoring runs, Jeremiah Nanai, what a fucking freak. Mm. I... I get a vibe that I'm going to love this guy's whole career but never own him. I just don't think I could do it. And he's going to keep on scoring tries and going on runs that I have no idea how he does it. He's just something else, this kid. But, mate, have you ever seen anything like it? Wasn't it funny? Like, after he made his money this season, I brought him in round two. Ryan Madison did his hammy into Jeremiah Nanite, 343K. Did Maddo do his hammy, did he? 
Yeah, have I told you that yeah, one? Yeah, right. Continue. Mate, this doesn't go live for a month, so I won't have said it in at least a month. <laughs> We're still trying to work out when you picked up fucking Robson. Go. <laughs> um, got rid of Nanai about five, six weeks later for about 130-odd K profit, and I'm with you. Because he's always pretty well going to be over 500K now, I just obviously, I get the vibe I'll probably never own him because his base is so low, yeah. but his attack was so like. Smashed oh, try scoring. Did he break the try scoring record for the Cowboys this year? I think so. I he did. He might have fallen one short. Yeah. He was getting very, very close. So to he it. um so attack reliant, but yeah, what, what a what a wonderful year. Uh, twenty twenty two most disappointing, <laughs> mate. We've got a duck egg here. I I honestly couldn't really find anyone mm. in this side. Like you had your. Your Chad Townsends that didn't score overly well, Supercoach was, but like your Kyle Feltz, but we knew who they were going to be. Oh, I've got one for you. Go. Peter Hiku. Remember earlier in the season, people were real high on Hiku? Yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah, there I were can, people that were I'd, high on I, him. I remember because I remember the, uh, the infamous Supercoach spy brought him in pretty early in the season. He was basing mid-30s for the first five rounds of the year. He was cheap at 360k. And he was just, yeah, basing mad, wasn't getting a lot of attacking stats. The Cowboys were coming good. So a few people flocked to him. And then he finished up with bang on just about his season average every year, 50 points. There you go, Peter Hicko, you we, fucking we, hack. We got you. We, we got we you. We someone. Um, still had a cracking season, oh, by yeah. the way, Peter Hicko. Fucking hell. Uh, now, guys to watch in 2023. There aren't a heap of changes to this North Queensland South Cowboys side. Uh, Tommy <laughs> Gilbert will leave. Outside of that, I think it's staying pretty stock standard. You want to touch? on Reuben Cotter, my boy. Be very careful. I consider Reuben Cotter family. So off you go. What do you got to say? You got a big family, don't you? Him, oh, massive. Ro- ro- None ro- of them love me, but ro- I love them. Ronald, Young Ronald Volkman. I think I'm one of your seven sons. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. So 59 average for the season, 57-minute average. Now, if we're looking ahead to next year, it was obviously a career year for Reuben Cotter. Do we... How many minutes does he play in the Cowboys pack going forward as a fully fit from round one next year? I think he will play big minutes. I think big minutes, big base. 65 minutes with one spell. He won't yes. play 80 because he, he won't play 80. To, but 65 with a 15 minute spell looks the go. Hey? Yeah, and I also think he's one of those guys that he would like as soon as they have a HIA or an injury. Mm. Todd Payton won't even radio and say, Can Cotter play 80? He'll just know. I can just leave him out. I'll tell there. you, the, yeah, the other thing with Cotter, like he's. He's pretty well. He's not really an out and out lock, is he? Like, is he? I was going to say he'll be. He should. Will he get dual position? He will. We get front row, second row, dual, which is huge. Yeah. So, surely so he loses hooker this year. He'll lose hooker, but he'll be dual front row, second row, priced on a fifty nine point average. Will he get second row? Tamalolo has worn thirteen just about every game this year, hasn't he? I'm not, I'm not sure if he will get second row. He didn't wear a lot of thirteen, did he? he, did, he did he wear any thirteen? Have you got? His stats? I, I think regardless, while that's not, I, I no, he wasn't named in a thirteen. I don't think he'll get it. Then. <clears throat> they're pretty black and white with to, that. To be shit. honest, that, that doesn't worry me that much because there's going to be so many good back rolls and yes. like most there's, there's pretty rarely many good front rolls. Like you'd be paying massive money for Joe Tapney. He probably starts the year in limited minutes. So. Cotter with a full off season, if he's fit and ready to go on a 59-point average, he's going to be a real goal for round one in the front row. Now, another forward there that I like the look <coughs> of, and I'm sure we all do, Luciana Lealua. Mm. Uh, you've obviously got Tommy Gilbert leaving. Um, Lukey will come back, but he's coming off. Was it an ACL for Lukey? I think it was, wasn't yeah. it? So he, he'll, be, he'll be in for a slow start. I also think, like, you look at this Cowboys side and you look at how fit and defensively strong they are after a big preseason – Mate, give Leilua a proper season 
at the Cowboys under Toddy Payton, he could come back as a fucking juggernaut next year. Uh, he'll probably come off the bench, but I'm confident he can play big minutes off the bench. And they're only one ir- one injury away from him being really relevant. Or during the origin period, Leilua could be fucking gold. Yeah, and he could move in. I said he doesn't necessarily need 80 minutes to be relevant, but he could ro- roll in and become an 80-minute back row if there's an injury or if he just kills in the preseason, which he may. And in the same mould as Reese Robson, he... Played some games in the front row this year. So he could be dual front row, second row. In fact, I think he probably will be. Makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so very handy. And as I said, an injury or two, or maybe not even an injury or two, he could be a starter and playing big minutes. Oh, yeah, I mean, he, he could just play his way into yeah. huge minutes. He's got that sort of ability. Yeah. Uh, and it, fuck, he was dangerous on that left edge. Who's, who's the left edge back row for the Cowboys? Has it been Gilbert for most of the season? Gilbert for a lot of it, and then it was Leilor. Leilor, yeah, yeah so he might just year. be a start-up. Yeah. Yeah, pretty impressive. Um, mate, Cowboys, will that do us for them? As we said, no one overly mm. disappointing inside of Hiku. Heaps of guns up there. Uh, let's move to the Sharkies. Really interesting side. We'll start with Nico Hines. He has been by far and away uh, the best player at the Sharkies this year and one of the best in Supercoach this year. Uh, I, I didn't see him going this. I thought he'd be good, but I didn't see him going this well, mate. Unbelievable. Yeah, put the hand up and say definitely got the Nico one wrong. There are a lot of people, not a lot of people, I think most people were in the boat of he can't possibly match what he did at the Storm going to a side like Cronulla who, while we saw them improving, no one saw him coming second. Um, So Nico, and I had the odd person just saying he's a freak. They were like, oh, they'd seen him playing juniors in the halves. He'll make the transition easy. I'm like, fair enough. Like You you might be right, but I was like, I don't see it. Uh, And he's been... Arguably the best supercoach player this season, do you think? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, right. If he's not the best, he'd have to be top three. Just in, in terms of, you know, he played twenty three games. There were very few low weeks. He was such a safe captaincy pick just about every week. Uh, you look at the back end of the year when other popular captains like Nathan Cleary went down, Ryan Pappenhausen was down. He became such a lock safe bet every week. Uh, what an absolute season from him and. Next season he'll be he'll be straight half back. So let's say you're probably gonna have to start the year with Nico Hines and Nathan Cleary, and that's going to be a an enormous chunk of the cap. Yeah, I don't think there's any questions asked. I think you have to go with those mm. two. And I think the other thing as well that you know we, we've spoken about Sam Walker a bit about how, how his goal kicking has improved. Nico's has improved out of sight yeah. as the season's gone on because. Mate, there was periods there where he he wouldn't have hit water out of a boat when he was goal kicking. He was all over the place, but he's really starting to hit some form there. So going through the top averaging players, um, leaps and bounds ahead of the rest in top spot, Richard Kenner. <laughs> Average 91 across his one game. Ryan Pappenhausen, um, the bloke who you've got pegged as being really cheap next year, he averaged 90.3. <laughs> It's been a long oh, couple you're of days. A piece of shit. <laughs> Proceed. Uh, third place, Sean Russell. Uh, I was a Sean Russell owner for all of about thirty minutes. Averaged eighty-seven across one game. Nico was in fourth, so essentially second spot behind Pappy with an eighty-six point average, and then Latrell Mitchell stormed home with an eighty-five point average. Wow. So Nico, Pappy one, Nico two in terms of scoring. Very very impressive. Now, mate, should we get into this? Uh Cronulla Sharks backline because there's four guys here that depending on the month, week, minute play, 
they could be the best or they could be most disappointing. Mm. Mulatalo, Ramian, Talakai, Katoa. Um, we just had a little stat from Matty Buxton before saying that Talakai, he's got one try since the uh, explosion, I guess you could call it, uh, against the Manly Seagulls that night. Uh, so... I think Talakai's been a headache for a lot of people for the back end of the season. Fuck, imagine if you missed that big game and then you brought him after that. And Like, he didn't do poorly, but fuck, it's been a bit of a letdown. I think the, I've, I've mentioned a lot of times the infamous train ride where you talked me into Mulatalo uh, being an absolute weapon for the run home. He's been a little bit hit and miss. Ramian's been the same. And... Um, Katoa standing outside Ramian, I reckon he, he was probably the most frustrating, but he did really well. These four, they could fit into the best or the most disappointing. What's your what's well, your live reaction it, it, to these in guys? Terms, <clears throat> in terms of the spread of scoring, and you mentioned how hard it was just to nail the right player to go well on his day. And I think this, to me, shows why the Sharkies are building into such a lethal side. Of the averages, Muli Talo, 61. Talakai, 60. Katoa, 60. Ramian, 59. So they just share the load. There's no... <clears throat> There's no dominant left edge. There's no dominant right edge. They just play footy across the park and the attacking stats can land on any of those four players. If it was a side like South Sydney where all of it went down the left edge and you, you just go lock in the left edge wing of Ronaldo Mulitalo and he'd probably average about 90. But they just share it across the board. So, And, and it was a very hard to give advice on the Sharkies' backline players all year because you're like, they're all guns, but they can all go 150 or 20. So... Yeah, going into next season, I don't see why that had changed. And, I mean, you have a look at the all the guys that came in to replace those fellas throughout the year, whether it be Kay Dykes, whether it be <coughs> Miller, Ikevalu. Mm. Mate, none of them averaged under 50 points. On top of those four that I just said averaged between 59 and 61, Ikevalu, five games for 65 average. Lockie Miller, six games for 63 average. They're all, just all sitting on top of each other, aren't they? Yeah, it's their, their depth is... It's unfair, mm. to be honest with you. It is just ridiculous. Mate, guys to watch for 2023, we've got two back rowers here. The first one is Teague Wilton. Uh, showed at the start of the year just how talented he was. Probably think he's been a little bit unfairly treated uh, over there. Obviously, Wade Graham, if you've got a Wade Graham in your team, you have to pick him. But, mate, I'm starting to wonder if Wade Graham is more of a bench sort of guy than a starting back rower now despite how incredibly talented and how good he's been for so long I always thought that edge was more dangerous and I thought Talakai in particular was more dangerous whenever Wilton was out there what are your thoughts on him heading into next season you're spot on with Talakai and Wilton in that combination because Teague Wilton runs that just typical hard back rowers line yep. and it just creates space on the outside now Wade Graham's the opposite isn't he he catches early, he can ball play, he can kick him behind the line, but he doesn't exactly give players that space outside. So, Wilton will definitely bring that left edge in. <clears throat> I'm with you. I think we, we could see him starting next year and potentially wade game to the bench. Average 60 minutes this year for 47 points. I think yeah. if he lands an 80-minute back row roll, playing outside Matty Moylan, and we see Nico play both sides of the field as well, he could be a really cheeky pick-up on a 47-point average next year for round one. It's almost with Talakai, the less you do is more. Mm. I think with Wade Graham, he just tries to do a little bit too much with the ball and he gets to Talakai with just just a little less time than what to, what he needs. What Wil Like, Wilton runs a brilliant line. It makes it sound like I'm underappreciating that. But just keeping it simple for Talakai seemed to be what worked best for him. The other one is Britton Akora. Now, 
Fuck, he finished the season strong. Scored a fair whack of try. I think he scored three on the weekend. Um, his form in the back end was incredible. And one thing from having him in draft that I noticed, and I don't know if it'll come through on the stats, but he, he does need attacking points to score well. Unless it rains, you go through his season, every time it rained, I was able to, to captain him in my draft team because he just gets 60 base yeah, stats all of a sudden. Right. It was bizarre. Every single time it rained. What did he get against the Dragons that night where it pissed rain at the start of the season? It's like round six or round seven or something. Round three against the Dragons, 67. All with, base. With, with four, it was 49 in base, but that's like he had a season base of 43, so substantially up. Yeah, mate. Every time it rained, he was unbelievable. Throughout the whole year, whenever it rained, he just went gangbusters. Yeah. Starts. <laughs> it was bizarre. I, I sort of thought I was going crazy for the start of the year until like it's it started thing. to – it's it started to th- – yeah, and, and you can't plan around. I suppose rain. it probably plays around that they're – You'd argue probably the most expansive side in the competition, the Sharkies, just throwing the ball willy-nilly from side to side. And that would be a lot of Nikora getting cut out in the edge back rollers. But when it's wet, probably just had to do the hard yards. Yeah, for sure. It it was crazy how it all sort of played out. But, yeah, scored a bunch. I mean, I remember watching him in the preseason and thinking, fuck, he's in for a huge year Mm. here. I think his consistency improved out of sight this year. Mm. But he didn't really get the attacking stats until the back end when he went huge. So, Britt Nikora, one to watch there. The other thing there... First season combination. I love seeing combinations unfold between edge back rolls and their halves. Yeah. Another a year under his belt, another full preseason outside Nico Hines. They could that could be something special for many years. I'm not sure if you remember, but you actually nailed it in the preseason. He scored a cracking try off Nico Hines in the trial, and I sort of said, "I reckon he's going to explode." And, and you said, "Oh, I'm hesitant on him." It was Canterbury's <laughs> defense; they were all over the place, and I, I thought, "Oh, this fucker, he's going to score five tries in the next ten <laughs> weeks." Nikora took him forever to get a media. It was tough to watch. So, some yeah, of your beauty. best work there. Thanks, mate. Um, Penny Panthers, another one, pretty hard to find. Disappointing guys, easy to find their best. Nathan Cleary, um, by far and away their best super coach player. Good God, it was disappointing when he uh, got sent off, and I had him as captain, and then we missed him for the season, and. The, the Nathan Cleary one probably didn't hurt us as much as others because we had trades up mm. our sleeve. But if you were running low, that one would have really, really stung you. Uh, the left edge, Taylor May, Isaac Tungo, Viliami Kikau. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Wow. Three players in a row averaging 60 to low, uh, high 60s. Unbelievable, these three. They were. And, and I think probably Taylor May and us at Tungo were victims late in the season in terms of when looking at their final averages of not having Luai or Nathan yep. Cleary because the, the whole Penrith attack and dynamic just changed. They played a lot through the middle. The ball movement wasn't there. And they had some really low scores, which really brought down their averages. But... Mate, for, for debut seasons, effectively, they were just wonderful. And again, I'll, I'll be pretty hard-pressed going against them to start next season. Just same with Isaac Tungo too, another guy that I had in draft. And as you all know, I absolutely <coughs> love this bloke. He finished with a 60-point average. And, you know, once again, as we know, the back end of the season without Luai really, really hurt him. Uh, 
uh, like many scores below his average there, 36, 51, 39, 53 to finish the season. Mate, in the first 10 weeks, he got nine tries taken off him as well. It was mental. It was it? crazy. Every single week he got – there was about three times where I had him first try score and he got a try taken off him. It was unbelievable. So his score, mate, I, I, I personally think that like he'll be at value next year at a 60-point average. I think he's, he's, he's worth more than that. It will be interesting, though, without Viliami kick out yep. on that edge next year. Personally, I think it helps Isaac. I think it hurts Taylor May. Yeah, because you would quite often get Tungo running that overs line with Kikau at the back. I, you know, without knowing who it'll be, I don't think Hoskins or Garner has the same upside. They as won't. Viliami they Kikau. won't do that sweeping line out the nope. back. Nope. And I reckon you'll see Isaac Tungo get a lot more just early clean yeah. ball. So he's a guy that I, despite his price tag, I think I will start with him next year. I really do. Yeah, and then yeah, as I said, if it's t- even if Taylor May does keep scoring his tries, which is every chance on the wing for Penrith. Well, as opposed to Kikau setting him up a lot with those sweeping plays, it'll probably be Tungo, so yep. it's kind of like you can nearly double down. Yeah, I yeah, I'll be seriously considering. I'll definitely start with Tungo. I'll be seriously considering playing both of them to start, though. Um, who else do we have here? We spoke of Viliami Kikau. He's obviously leaving. Now, probably the most disappointing if we had to pick one from this Penrith Panthers side. We're both huge fans of him. We both had him by the end of the season. Uh, I'm not as big a fan of him after he embarrassed me a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> and I do hold a grudge, so watch yourself, Brian. Uh Oh, he has been an absolute super coach stud the last few years. Moved from the left to the right, found himself outside Stephen Crichton, which uh, is normally a tough spot to be unless you say that week he's not going to score tries, in which <laughs> Stephen Crichton will pass the ball like it's going out of fashion. But uh, Brian Toe, for what we know of him, um, base stats down a little bit based on previous years. That was the vibe that I got, and obviously scoring less tries. Still finished with a pretty good average. He, he would have been close to 60, wouldn't he? He averaged 60, yeah, 59. 59, mm. yeah. Close to 60, not bad. Um, not a terrible season, but by Brian Toto's standards, a little bit disappointing. Shows how good this fucking team is that we're saying a CTW that scored 59 was disappointing, yeah. though. And averaged 84 the year before. So <sighs> that's why it was disappointing. And people started the year with him at that price. It's 736 grand. We've spoken about how 2021, these high scoring records broken, et cetera, et cetera. And it was never quite going to be that high, but you definitely expected more. And it was just the victim of Penrith being just a left-side dominant team. Yep. And left-side dominant, and you already touched on Stephen Crichton. He he really developed his ball playing in the back end of the year, but it just wasn't there for the majority of it. So he, he came back from injury and was a little bit slow to get going again um, earlier on in the year. Again, 60 average next season. Oh, hard to go past round one. Like it's Very hard. Just Penrith, they're so red hot, aren't they? And you're going to get some pretty affordable players, I think, next season. Yeah, so Toto is one that we'll be watching very closely for 2023. A couple of other guys. Kick out leaves. Um, the oh, I was going to say arguably, it's probably not arguably, the best, row, the best back row bit of real estate in rugby league. The left edge mm. for the Penrith Panthers opens up. Couple of guys, one guy that's already there could be Scotty Sorensen. He'll put his hand up for that role, but I personally think Cleary will want to keep him off the pine. I think he's too good off the bench. All of a sudden, two guys really jump to mind for me. The first one is Luke Garner coming from the West Tigers, who I think he runs arguably the best line in rugby league. He's incredible, Garner. And then Hoskins, a uh, young fellow from Newcastle who popped up at the Brisbane Broncos this year, signed by the Penrith Panthers as soon as he showed a little bit of promise in first grade. Uh, I'm not sure which way they go here, but whichever way they do go, I think I'd have either of these two in my side. Yeah, I think 
I think Garner's got to be the man. He's such a wonderful player, and he's had really, really great moments this year at the Tigers, who were an absolute travesty. So to go from the wooden spooners to the minor premiers and potentially a week from when this airs, premiers again, Garner, he could be really, really good if he locks down an 80-minute role. And he's one that excites me. So what's he got for next season? He's coming off a... Didn't average much this season for obvious reasons. Also had his injury troubles, so had a lot of um, minutes reduced by that. Round 23, he played three minutes in that game. Round one, he played nine minutes. So he had a 41-point average, but that was oh. significantly reduced. So at 41K, a starting, potentially 80-minute Penrith back row on the left edge. Bang. And I'll tell you right now, if Garner is the <laughs> starting left edge back row for me, Isaac Tungo becomes almost a must-have. Yeah. Because yes, that, that line he runs, he'll just be drawing him in, drawing him in, won't he? Yeah, it'll be lethal. Um, I wonder if Kickow leaving, and I'm talking completely off the dome here, we haven't spoken about this, I wonder if Kickow leaving and then not having that extra ball play there, I wonder if Dylan Edwards starts to play a little bit more down that edge. He could be another one that could be interesting. Yeah. Because he, he predominantly plays middle and down the right, doesn't sweep to the left all that often. But if Kickow's gone and they don't try and turn Garner or Hoskins, whoever it is, into that extra ball player... You might find that Dylan Edwards gets a bit more ball down that edge, which could make that could add fifteen points to his game every single week. We're pretty short on decent fullbacks to consider, so like, well, but but he will be a great little pod. Yeah, yeah no, I know like, for sure, and, and I see what you're saying, and there's definitely merit in it. But God, I hope he doesn't start averaging eighty because I just don't. <laughs> I don't need more stress watching one of these fullbacks who I don't. Know. I did it with Latrell for the last two months. Yep, I don't need it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, now, Abby Curacao leaves, which leaves a spot open in the nine jersey. Uh, you got Mitch Kenny, who was a skipper last week at hooker. I think you'll have Sonny Luke coming off the bench. Uh, I think people will look at these two. It's a miss me on both of them. I think it'll be like a 50-30 split. Mm. Um, Kenny, I don't think he's got enough attacking upside to do enough damage in that 50. Uh, Sonny Luke's very talented. If something happens that Kenny goes down and Sonny Luke ends up playing huge minutes, then we can have a conversation about him. But I think he will be very much so an impact guy off the bench. I don't think we should be looking at either of these two. Yeah, I'm with you. And we see we see this often at uh, the start of Supercoach seasons where people see a cheap hooker, they really need the sole role to themselves where they're playing, if not 80 minutes, like minimum 65, because anything less, unless you're really a gun attacker, you know, they might base 35, 40, but that's all they get. Mm. And it's it's just not enough. So, and, and I think, for an example of someone like, we've seen Jacob Little cheap in past years and Jake Simpkin, and you go, oh, they're dirt cheap. They'll get decent minutes and score well. It doesn't happen. So I think one of them needs the sole hooking role unless Kenny were to come off the bench, which seems unlikely, and it went to, to Luke. Um, yeah, that I think probably avoids. Yeah. The last guy I want to touch on is Taruva. Uh, obviously, you've got Robert Jennings heading up to the Dolphins, so he becomes next man up in that back line. I probably think he's jumped Ch- Charlie Staines. Mm. Personally, there are rumours of Staines leaving anyway, but Taruva, he's just re-signed for a couple of years. Uh, debutant of the weekend, Tom Jenkins, he's another one that I think he'll be there and thereabouts for next man up. But I think it's pretty obvious that Taruva, he is the next guy to come into this side. And if he does get an opportunity, uh, he will do very, very well there. Um, as we've said, a bit, you know, best back line in the competition if a spot opens up there, regardless of where yeah. it is, uh, that'll be a great little get. Anyone else at the Panthers that uh, gets your interest, mate? All sorted, mate. All sorted. Uh, guys, that will do us for Beers and Break Evens this year. Uh, thank you for joining us. It has been an unreal little experience. We uh, we will be back next year. 
bigger and better. Thankfully, we both did pretty well this year, ranks-wise and everything, which made it very competitive. Mm. Hopefully, it can be similar next year. The cream can keep rising as it did this <laughs> year. For old Timmy, that, that ceiling's getting a workout at home, isn't it? Oh, geez, Jimmy. Looking forward to this off-season, I'll tell you. <laughs> uh, but, guys, special shout-out to Blue Wealth Property. Um, Tony's come on the show a couple of times over the over the season, and they have been sensational for us. Um, yeah, really looking forward to a partnership in the future with them as well. And then we've got Bloke in a Bar as well. Get out this weekend, grand final week. Buy yourself a case of Bloke, midi, full strength, whatever it might be, and uh, enjoy the grand final on Sunday. Uh, I'm going to say Penrith by eight. What do you got? Without knowing which teams are going to be there. What do you got? Speaking of uh, cream rising to the top, mate, I think Penrith, uh, God, I hope this doesn't age poorly, but I think they're the best of the best. And I think we could see a grand final where they win by 14 to 18. I like it. Nathan Cleary, back-to-back lives. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like it. Uh, special shout-out as well. Cheers to Matty the Waterboy. He has done some fucking hard yards this <laughs> year for us, and we appreciate him every week. We're always late or fucking around with times or doing something. He's been a champion. So thank you, Matty. Uh, thank you, guys. We'll see you next year on Beers and Break Even. Cheers. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.